Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. My name is Zach Kroll. I am your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball now until the final four, the road will end there in Atlanta. And it's been a quiet week of college basketball, right? This is finals week after feast week and just a few other weeks following that of just a ton of wall-to-wall college basketball action. We've gotten a little bit of a breather now, not a complete breather. We've had some games this week. We did see on Tuesday, Alabama come up with another big victory over Memphis. And we did speak a lot about that on the show on Wednesday. Also spoke about Creighton and their struggles. They have now lost five games in a row after starting their season off 6-0 and ranked in the top 10. It's just crazy what has happened with the Blue Jays. But we have another episode for you guys. And kind of similar to that episode on Wednesday, it's not going to be a massive episode with four or five games to react to, like some of our episodes on this show have been in weeks past. But instead, there's one game I wanted to talk about. It took place Wednesday night in College Park between UCLA and Maryland. We're going to get into that. And also, there are a ton of really good games this weekend that I'm going to get you guys ready for. So a little bit of a simpler episode today. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. And you guys know we will be back on Monday breaking down all of the action that took place over the weekend. So I appreciate you guys for listening. It's going to be a great show. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So this was a big game on Wednesday night. Future Big Ten conference rivals. I don't I, I'm just kidding. I don't think these two really qualify as conference rivals. But the reality is in just a few years, UCLA and Maryland are going to be playing each other in basketball each and every year as uh, conference opponents. And that is going to be something, at least for me, that's going to take a lot of time to get used to. But I was really impressed with UCLA in this game. It's hard for you not to be. As the Bruins went into College Park and beat Maryland 
87 to 60. And keep in mind, this is the same building that just a few weeks ago, Maryland actually beat Illinois, the Illini, the same team that beat UCLA in Las Vegas earlier this season. Uh, Illinois was not able to come into College Park and beat Maryland. And not only did UCLA beat Maryland, but they really dominated them from start to finish. So let's get into this game, right? We'll start off with Maryland quickly. A few thoughts on them. They entered this season, in my opinion, with not a ton of question marks, but they really entered this season as the forgotten team in the Big Ten, considering Kevin Willard actually did a good job retaining some of the talent that was left over from the Mark Turgeon era. That's another thing we spoke a lot about on this show. If you're a first-year coach coming into a new program, most likely the reason why, or at least part of the reason why, the previous coach before you got fired is because he had talent and he just wasn't able to translate it into wins. And if you're a good enough head coach like Mike Woodson at Indiana, like Tommy Lloyd at Arizona, like Chris Jans at Mississippi State, your number one priority a lot of the time before you even start recruiting and trying to bring in new players or retaining those old players and selling them on your vision and selling them on reasons to come back to school. And Kevin Willard was another coach that really did a good job prioritizing that as he got Julian Reese and Donta Scott and Hakeem Hart and Ian Martinez to come back to school. And it's crazy because if you just look at the other sideline in this game, Mick Cronin and UCLA, now this is Mick's fourth year at UCLA, but Jaime Jaquez has been there since the beginning, day one. You also look at Tiger Campbell. He was not recruited to UCLA by Steve Alf, by Mick Cronin. He was recruited to UCLA by Steve Alford, and Mick Cronin had to convince him to come back to school and play for him. Uh, and UCLA has some other freshmen uh, we're going to get into as well. But Hawkes and Campbell, they're a big reason why UCLA has had so much success over the course of the last few seasons. And when Mick Cronin first got to Westwood, he had to do some work to convince Campbell to come back to school. So it really all goes full circle. But Maryland, so they were the forgotten team. Willard did a good job retaining that talent, and they started off the season in really, really good form. They were one of the more surprising teams of the college basketball season, right? Maryland goes in, or that was a neutral court game, but they beat St. Louis in Mohegan Sun. They beat Miami in Mohegan Sun. Miami looks like an NCAA tournament team right now. Right now, They actually look like one of the better teams in the ACC. St. Louis has been disappointed, but they're still really talented. Maryland also beat Louisville. I just wanted to say also congrats to uh, – Kenny Payne and the Louisville Cardinals on their first victory of the season, beating Western Kentucky. Maryland also beat Illinois, like we mentioned, but all of a sudden they've hit a little bit of a skid. And going into this UCLA game, Maryland was over the last two, losing at Wisconsin last Tuesday in Big Ten play, and then losing on a neutral court game in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center to Tennessee on Sunday. And now Maryland loses this game to UCLA. And as great of a start as it was for Maryland, I think we were all ready for it to take a little bit of a halt. Like this Terrapins team is very good, but we're I think they're much closer to a team that's like an eight, nine, ten seed than a three, four, five seed. And that's no insult to Kevin Willard. The fact is, this Maryland team was not very good last year. They had their coach quit on them uh midway or about a month into the season. And Danny Manning from there was just left in a very tough position. But with a good and capable head coach like Kevin Willard, there is enough talent here to make the NCAA tournament and win some games. But this game didn't tell me a ton about Maryland. Obviously, it's a big home game played in front of your 
rapid, uh, passionate crowd. You're going to want to show them a better effort than that, losing 87 to 60. And it's crazy. At the end of the first half, UCLA was up 49 to 20. The Bruins got off to a 7 nothing lead in this game. They literally never gave the lead away. They dominated from start to finish. And that's why, in my opinion, this game tells me a lot more about UCLA and Mick Cronin's squad than Maryland, because I was someone that was very high on this UCLA team going into the season. I actually picked them to win the national championship. And I don't know if I still feel that way, right? Preseason predictions are always going to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt, and you don't have to go all in with it, especially if you see something that might change your mind. But the reason why I was so high on this UCLA team going into the season was because I just love the way the roster fit together, right? You start off, you have Tiger Campbell, an elite point guard at the college level. He is now playing, uh, he's now been playing at UCLA for a long time. He's a senior. He's been through all the battles. He's been through all the wars. There's nothing really on a college basketball court that Tiger Campbell hasn't seen. And also like part of what made this effort by UCLA at Maryland on Wednesday night so impressive was the fact that Tiger Campbell picked up two fouls. And by the way, they weren't clear, obvious fouls. They were kind of ticky-tack foul calls that didn't necessarily have to be called. You would hope if you're Mick Cronin, your senior point guard would get the uh, benefit of the doubt in situations like that, but he didn't. So Tiger Campbell, he fouls, he picks up two fouls in the first uh, four minutes of the game before the first media timeout even came. And UCLA didn't flinch. They still just uh, grabbed the bulls by the horn and really just took it to Maryland. And Tiger Campbell, again, he uh, had some foul trouble. He only played 15 minutes in this game. But the fact that UCLA was able to recover from that, it's really impressive. So normally Tiger Campbell, he's not going to get himself into early foul trouble. He's a smarter, more experienced player with that. And again, they were ticky-tack fouls that really could have gone either way. So... UCLA has a really good point guard. They also have a star that's bona fide, in my opinion, in the college level in Jaime Jaquez Jr. And I know he's not the flashiest player, right? He's not Johnny Juzang that's just able to pull up from anywhere on the court and make magic happen. But Jaquez is consistent. He has his bag of shots that he's used to making that he'll be able to use in a game and take advantage of opponents' uh, mismatches, especially on the block posting up. Jaquez in this game, he finished with 14 points, seven rebounds. He's going to be, in my opinion, in the conversation for Pac-12 Player of the Year. But the guy that has really stood out for me on the UCLA Bruins that I wanted to talk about is Jalen Clark. And I've been a huge fan of Jalen Clark. He has been a role player for UCLA over the course of the last two years, but he really got integrated into a bigger role last season when it was clear Clark was the best defender on UCLA. He's a very good rebounder. He's a very good passer. And his offensive game has just been getting better and better and better. And I think on Wednesday night in College Park, Jalen Clark was the best player on the floor. He finishes with 19.6 rebounds, three assists, a very efficient 7 of 11 from the field, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. And then on the defensive end, he comes up with four steals. Hawk has himself also had four steals. Amari Bailey and Tiger Campbell each had two steals as well. So UCLA was really, really able to force Maryland into turnovers. The Terrapins turned the ball over 16 times in this ballgame compared to only three times for UCLA. So Maryland did not do a very good job of taking care of the basketball. But you expect UCLA not to turn the ball over 
with their veteran team, but they didn't have Tiger Campbell. So the fact that UCLA was able to avoid the turnovers, I think that's something that's also just a very good sign for this Bruin team. The other thing that's a good sign for this Bruin team is their freshmen playing well, in particular Adam Bono, who's been a little bit up and down so far this season. You could tell that he's going to be a really good player, but he's just going to keep on growing and growing with more experience. This was one of the better games he's played so far at the college level. He finishes with 14 points, seven rebounds on a very efficient seven of eight from the field. And Bana, this was the second most points he's put up in the game so far this season. He did put up 16 points against Bellarmine. And this kid is a top 20 freshman that Mick Cronin raved about during the summer. He was really, really excited for everyone to see just how good and just how impressive this freshman is. And I think he's going to be able to give UCLA a little bit of a different dynamic because really over the course of the last few years when UCLA made the final four in 2021, when the Bruins made a deep tournament run last year to the sweet 16, the one thing they've been lacking a little bit is just that true dominant rim protecting big man. And I think Bona is going to give them that. They also have Mac ETN and uh, some other guys off the bench that could provide them with some size. But when you look at this Bruins team, it's really all Bona and for him to contribute like this, very efficient from the field, that's a good sign for the Bruins. And Amari Bailey, you have some natural scores on this team, right, with Hawkes and Clark. And I wouldn't even call those guys natural scores. They do a lot of other things really well, but they're able to score the ball from the wing. And speaking of scoring the ball from the wing, we have to give a shout-out to David Singleton, another guy that has been with Mick Cronin and this UCLA team since he arrived in Westwood on day one. And Singleton was, along with Clark, the best player for UCLA on the floor in this game. He finishes with 18 points and shoots 7 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. And anyone who watched the game knows, Singleton's three-point shots weren't just going in. They were just splashing the net every single time. Every time David Singleton shoots the ball, you feel like it's going in. And there just aren't a ton of teams in college basketball that's going to have a guy coming off the bench who is as experienced, as battle-tested. And Singleton's a really good player. Like He could shoot the basketball. And Mick Cronin knows just how valuable a player like Singleton is to his team, a guy that just knows exactly what his role is, a guy that's been playing college basketball forever. And this veteran experience combined with a little bit of young future NBA talent, that's the reason why I was so excited about this UCLA team going into the season. Speaking of that freshman talent, Amari Bailey, he has been pretty good overall so far this season. The one worry you have about him is in UCLA's three games against power six power five conference teams those games haven't been as great compared to their games against the other uh mid-major competition and that's normal not normal but that's like reasonable to expect for a freshman that's playing college basketball for the first time but the hope is by the time we get to march bailey and bono ucla is going to need those two guys at their best if they want to make a realistic run to the final four for the second time in two years Bailey, he only had four points in this game. Uh, He only had one point against Illinois, and he only had five points against Baylor. So in those three games against Illinois, against Baylor, against Maryland, Amari Bailey, a top 10 freshman, a guy that UCLA was really going to be relying upon going into the season, he has a combined 10 points in those three games. Now, he did have 19 points at Stanford. He did have 14 points against Oregon, and those are the teams that UCLA is going to be playing against during Pac-12 conference play. So you hope as the season goes on, he's only going to get better. 
But if UCLA wants to be the best team they could be, they're going to need Bailey to score the ball a little bit more because Clark and Hawkins could score as well, but it's not their main strength. It's not the number one thing that they do best. Uh, And with Bailey, like he could provide you with some instant offense, kind of what, kind of similar to what Johnny Juzang was able to get this Bruin team last year. But on Wednesday night against Maryland, even though Bailey only finished with four points, they didn't need a ton more because again, UCLA dominated this game from the beginning. They outscored Maryland in the first half, 49 to 20. And the game really felt over after that. It was inevitable. There was nothing Maryland could really do. And again, I just wanted to give a shout out to David Singleton because a lot of other players in his position would not have came back to school using the extra COVID year. And Mick Cronin must just be so happy to have this guy back based on everything he's done, based on everything he's accomplished in his career. And again, Singleton has been playing ball at UCLA for four years now. He, you know, or more than four years now, he's another guy that Mick Cronin really had to convince after Steve Alford left to come back to UCLA. And that's why Kevin Willard deserves so much credit as the head coach of Maryland for bringing his guys back as well. That is a key in today's new era of college basketball, that if you're a coach of a new program, but especially the really good ones that had talent left over, you need to find a way to get those kids back to school, back in your program, because it's really worked out for a lot of other coaches that we've seen in the sport so far this season. And things are going to get really interesting for UCLA now, right? They have one more marquee non-conference game before we start up Pac-12 play. That's going to be on Saturday at Madison Square Garden against Kentucky. The Wildcats, we know what their deal is, right? They have all the talent in the world, but they need that one resume-boosting win before they enter SEC play. UCLA now has that over Maryland. I know it's not the greatest win, but that's a win they could build their non-conference resume on, especially after losing to Illinois, especially after losing to Baylor. So I think with this UCLA team, now keep in mind also, the Bruins are already 2-0 and in Pac-12 play. They went on the road to Stanford, not only beat them, but beat them by 14 points. That game was never particularly close. They also beat Oregon at home. So the Bruins now have gone in also, they've gone into two pretty tough road environments in one, which is something that isn't crazy for a veteran team to, to to do, but still, that's not easy. That's a very impressive job by the UCLA Bruins winning those two games. And when they go on the road in Pac-12 play, it's not going to be easy. They're actually going to start Pac-12 play at Washington State and at Washington, which those two teams aren't great. But, uh, you know, tough environments, not easy places to play up there in the Pacific Northwest. So wanted to give a shout out to the Bruins. I think this team is legitimately good. I think both. UCLA and Arizona in the Pac-12, I think they're both top 10 teams and realistic national championship contenders. And when those two teams play, it's going to be absolutely electric. UCLA will head to uh, to Tucson and the McHale Center on Saturday, January 21st. Can't wait for that one. And UCLA will actually end the regular season at home against Arizona Saturday, March 4th. So both those games are going to be must-see TV Uh, Arizona State in the Pac-12 is playing really good basketball as well. We spoke a little bit about them on Wednesday. So we saw this a little bit in football, too, with UCLA and USC weaving for the Big Ten. Maybe that motivated the Pac-12 conference to step up their game a little bit. And the Pac-12 football season was their best they've had in a while. And maybe we could see something similar on the basketball court with teams like uh, Utah and Arizona State playing much better than anyone could have expected. But Wanted to give, again, a quick shout-out to the UCLA Bruins. 
unreal performance going on the road to Maryland and not only beating them, but just flat out dominating them. I think Jalen Clark is about to become one of the breakout stars in college basketball. That's going to be very important to this Bruins team while they're hopefully making a deep tournament run. And even though Maryland, this game wasn't particularly close, this is now the third game in a row they've lost. I still think big picture, if Kevin Willard could just get this Maryland Terrapin team to the NCAA tournament, that's going to be a really, really good sign. And also for Maryland, they're going to start off Big Ten play. Well, not technically start off Big Ten play, right? They've already played two Big Ten games. They're one in one in Big Ten conference play, beating Illinois at home, but also losing to Wisconsin. Maryland's the next two Big Ten games at Michigan, at Rutgers. If they could just split those two games, that would be ideal. We all know just how difficult it is to win in not only conference play, but in Big Ten conference play on the road. It's ridiculous. It's very tough. And Maryland having to go into either one of those two buildings and win, it's not going to be easy. But they'll then follow that up with a home game against Ohio State and then another road game at Iowa. So three of Maryland's next four Big Ten games, they will restart Big Ten play on New Year's Day against Michigan. Uh, But they will take on St. Peter's and UMBC in two games at home they should win. But then at Michigan, at Rutgers, hosting Ohio State and at Iowa. That's going to be the first four games of the Big Ten stretch for Maryland. That's not going to be easy. And also with the Terps, they have a really good starting five. I would put their starting five against most others in the Big Ten, but their bench isn't particularly great. Ian Martinez had one of his better games of the season uh, against UCLA. As the sixth man off the bench, he finishes with 16 points, but also uh, Patrick Emelin and Jari Long, Maryland, and Kevin Willard are just going to need them to provide a little bit more off the bench, hopefully, in an ideal situation in order to really put this Maryland team over the top, the starting five. It's not going to be able to do everything by itself. But I wanted to give, again, a shout-out to the Bruins. Just a dominating effort over Maryland, 87-60. to 60, And UCLA can now enter Pac-12 play with at least one really good non-conference win. The Bruins will hope to add to that on Saturday when they participate in the CBS Sports Classic at Madison Square Garden uh, UCLA, Kentucky. That's going to be Saturday, 5-15. Really looking forward to that one. North Carolina and Ohio State will be the game before that. And that's a good segue because we're about to preview some of this weekend's biggest games coming up on the College Hoops Daily Podcast. We want to thank our presenting sponsor and the sponsor of all things Aaron Torres Media, the Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred is one of Europe's biggest sports books with over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they've recently come to the US and have made a splash in a big way. They are the official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals. More importantly, they're the perfect partner for us here at the College Hoops Daily Podcast because they do more for their customers than anyone out there. Bedfred has VIP tailgates at Broncos games, the Bedfred Suite at Bengals games, and no one gives out more free bet bonuses than Betfred. As a matter of fact, we have a special offer for all of our listeners and first-time users. Bet $50 on any College Hoops game and get $250 back in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. To learn more, visit Betfred.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Continuing on with today's episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Again, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. There just aren't a ton of games from the past few days to react to. Again, I wanted to give a shout out to Louisville and Kenny Payne for getting their first victory of the season on Wednesday night over Western Kentucky. And I know there's been some slight chatter about Kenny Payne and if it's even an option about him not returning to Louisville next year. And this win is big for him. I don't think he's getting fired. The season has gone just as badly as it could have like the worst possible scenario for Louisville this season. But the unfortunate thing is they lost each of their first three games, albeit to Bellarmine, Wright State, and Appalachian State. They lost all three of those games by one point. If they could have just won maybe one or even two of those games, I think maybe there's a good chance the perception right now of the Kenny Payne era is a little bit different. I just don't think it would be as bad as it is right now, meaning I don't think there would really be chatterings to fire Kenny Payne after just one season I will admit he did a bad job in the transfer portal this past offseason considering he already had one really good guard in L. Ellis like I was really excited to see what L. Ellis could do this year and he's living up to the hype he's one of the best guards and one of the best scorers in the ACC the problem is he doesn't have any help around him and like Louisville didn't just beat some team I know Western Kentucky It's the same story with them every year. Rick Stansberry brings in an absolutely loaded team in terms of talent, but they're never good enough to translate it into wins. And that's been the case so far with the Hilltoppers so far this season. I know they don't have Kentucky transfer Donta Allen right now, who is not eligible. And he would, he's a really good scorer. I think he would make at least a slight difference for this Western Kentucky team. But still, if you're the Hilltoppers and you have all the talent from Jamarian Sharp to Emmanuel Acott to Davion McKnight to Christian Lander to Luca Frampton, like you have to find a way to beat Louisville, an 0-9 Louisville team at the very least. And unfortunately for the Hilltoppers, they were not able to do that. So that's a very disappointing effort from Rick Stansberry and his crew. Again, the Hilltoppers have started off 8-2, and two, but they have lost some games that they are not supposed to, including uh, on Wednesday night to Louisville. The Hilltoppers' other loss so far this season took place against Akron in a game they lost by 19 points. And Akron is decent, but that's a game really the Hilltoppers should win most of the time. So a disappointing start to the season for Rick Stansberry and his Hilltoppers. But without further ado, it's time to get into some of the action that will be taking place this week and in college basketball. And we will start off with the Big East doubleheader on Friday night. We have Xavier taking on Georgetown. We will also have Creighton taking on Marquette. And if you look at the Big East standings, there has only been one Big East conference game so far this season. It took place a few weeks ago with St. John's beating DePaul. There were some scheduling conflicts, so they just wanted to play that game earlier. But Big East conference play really kicks off tonight. We have Xavier going to Georgetown. We have Creighton going to Marquette. Simply with Xavier-Georgetown, this is a game the Musketeers should win. The Muskies have won four games in a row, including a win over West Virginia and a win over Cincinnati on the road. That Cincinnati game was very impressive. The Musketeers led for the majority of the game, and it was crazy because they were up by four with about 15 seconds left, and David DeJulius from Cincinnati takes a crazy three. He's fouled, and he makes it and ties the game with a free throw. So they were tied at 77 with about 10 seconds left, and Sule Boom gets fouled, 
And that was that wins the game for Xavier and Sue boom, the transfer from UTEP. He's been playing phenomenal basketball so far this season, averaging 17 points per game, four assists per game, three rebounds per game. And he's shooting 51% from three, 53% from the field. Sue boom has been one of the most fun and electric players to watch so far during this college basketball season. And when you look at Georgetown, they need as many wins as possible. Again, this is a Hoya team that did not win a Big East game during conference play last season, but they do have Brandon Murray. They do have a Cook. Cook. They do have uh, the big man, Kudis Wahab, who transferred back. They have a score in Primo Spears. There is enough talent on this Georgetown team to win a game or two in Big East play when not many people are expecting them to do so. The issue is they're just poorly coached. They rarely come prepared. They don't know how to execute a game plan properly. Don't know how to execute a scouting report. Georgetown right now is just a poorly coached team, and it is going to be tough for them to beat Xavier tonight. The other game in that Big East doubleheader, it's an interesting one. We have Creighton, the same team that we were very high on in the preseason that returned a lot of pieces from last year's team that made the round of 32 and gave Kansas a real scare in the NCAA tournament. They started off their season 6-0, and but since they beat Arkansas in the second round of the Maui Invitational, since that game, they are 0-5. Now, two of those losses did come to Arizona and Texas, but they also have lost to Nebraska. They've also lost to BYU, and on Monday night, they lost to Arizona State, and it's not going to get easier for them on Friday when they have to travel on the road to Milwaukee to take on a Marquette team who honestly has been one of the few teams in the Big East that has overachieved so far this season. Shaka Smart has done a great job with this group, losing Justin Lewis, losing Daryl Marcel, and it hasn't even mattered. You could see the progress Shaka Smart is making, building a program that he fits in much better with uh, in Marquette compared to his days at Texas. You don't need to be recruiting the elite five-star recruits in order to have success at Marquette. And I think those kind of players are just built better for Shaka's system when you want to just force the opponents into making as many mistakes as possible. They'll be hosting Creighton from the Pfizer form, which has served as a pretty good home court advantage for Marquette so far this season. They did lose to Wisconsin in just a classic overtime game. Chucky Heppert went off. That was on uh, Saturday, December 3rd. And a few weeks later, Marquette will host Creighton. This is a big game. Creighton needs it in the worst way. Even if they lose, I wouldn't go into full-fledged panic mode with Creighton. I do think there's enough time for them to figure it out. But Ryan Kalkbrenner's status is unknown in this game. If he doesn't play, that's going to be a huge loss for this Creighton team. I like Frederick King, the young center, but Kalkbrenner's impact is just unmatched. Kaluma, Trey Alexander, they've been a little hit or miss. Kaluma has had some good games. He's had some bad games, but I just think he needs to let the shots for him come naturally within the offense. I think Creighton's offense has been a little bit altered by his ability to just trying to go get one and play isolation basketball. That's not what makes him so good. And even though I do think Kaluma is ultimately going to be an NBA player, he's been a little bit disappointing so far this season for the Blue Jays. They're going to need him to have a big game in order to get a victory tonight in Milwaukee. On Saturday, just a loaded day. Honestly, one of the better, bigger days of the college basketball season so far. And I wanted to highlight a few key games to pay attention to. We will start off with the noon tip, Eastern time, of course. I'm here in New York. On Saturday, we have number 14, Indiana, going on the road to Allen Fieldhouse, Lawrence, to take on the defending national champions, the number eight-ranked Kansas Jayhawks. And on Monday's show, we didn't have 
a full segment on Kansas and they're very impressive, just demolishing victory over their rival, the Missouri Tigers. But that game is just vintage Bill Self. He had his team ready to play. There was a ton of hype, a ton of excitement in that building around the Missouri program. I know Missouri, their schedule to start off the season was very weak. It was the first time they played any real significant opponent. But I'm not only just impressed with the fact that Kansas ended up winning, it's that they demolished them. Like the game was never particularly close, kind of similar to UCLA, Maryland, if I'm being honest. Kansas led 50-33 to at the end of the first half, also outscored Missouri 45-34 in the second half. They win that game 95-67. to And I think Kansas, as crazy as this sounds, as the defending national champions, they're a team I don't think is getting a ton of credit and hype right now that should be. There aren't many better point guards and point guards I trust in college basketball than Dewan Harris. He just knows how to play a winning brand of basketball and Bill Self wouldn't trade him for any point guard in the country, even though he's not the best offensive player. He just knows how to run the team. He never makes mistakes. I'm a huge fan of Dewan Harris. He's a guy that I would take on my team any day of the week. You also have Kevin McCuller, the transfer from Texas Tech. He was great against Missouri, 21 points, 8 of 12 from the field, very efficient. You also have Jalen Wilson, who's been uh, arguably, besides Zach Eady, the best player in college basketball so far this season. He's made a massive, massive leap compared to last season, which is exactly what this Kansas team needed after losing Oshai Abaji, after losing Christian Braun, after losing Remy Martin. I've also been impressed with Grady Dick. The freshman just continues to score, continues to provide offense for this Kansas team. K.J. Adams, who is in an interesting position. Bill Self likes to play him at the five. I think he's Kansas's best option at the five, but when you have a Bill Self team typically at the five like you have a guy like Udoka Azabuki or a guy like David McCormick or a guy like Perry Ellis that's six over six foot ten uh, you could scheme up lobs to him and you could do that with Adams he's ultra athletic but he's a small ball five he's only six seven and on Saturday against Indiana when you're facing Trace Jackson Davis when you're facing Race Thompson that is going to be a very interesting matchup uh, with Indiana because it's interesting Arizona's bigs especially to Bellis like they were able to get whatever they wanted in the paint when they're posting up, they could do that against anyone. And in a matchup like this against Kansas, can the Jayhawks just hold Trace Jackson Davis to at least like, I would say under 20 points, that would probably be a win and just force someone else on Indiana to beat you. We're still waiting for the status of Jalen Hood-Shafino, the freshman who was out for Indiana in their losses against Rutgers. He was out for Indiana in their loss against Arizona and the Hoosiers are going to need him if they want to be the best version of themselves an interesting game in the big east taking place on saturday afternoon you have providence and seton hall both of these teams have struggled a little bit both of them have been disappointing seton hall just does not have a true five man they are not as good as i expected defensively under shaheen holloway and they'll take on a providence team that has a ton of new players i think they're eventually going to figure it out But the reason why I highlighted this game is because I think the loser isn't going to be feeling particularly great about themselves. The three teams in the Big East that have been pretty disappointing so far this season have been these two teams, Providence and Seton Hall, and you throw Villanova into that conversation. Although Villanova was missing Cam Whitmore for the majority of the first month of the season, he's back. And since Whitmore returned, Villanova looks like a a, a totally different team, and they're going to be much better with him in the lineup. And then hopefully we'll see if they could get Justin Moore back. Moore, we all remember, he suffers the devastating Achilles injury 
in the Elite Eight against Houston, and he was out for the remainder of the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's going to be some time before he gets back, especially back at full health. But with Justin Moore in the lineup, that's really going to elevate this Villanova team. We just hope he could get back into the lineup as soon as possible. But Providence and Seton Hall, that's a major opportunity for both these teams to turn it around and get things going. A game on Saturday afternoon I'm really looking forward to. Number 15, Gonzaga. They will take on number four, Alabama. This game will be at the Legacy Arena in Birmingham. So not technically a home game for Alabama, but the game will be played in the state of Alabama. If you remember last season, these two teams played in a non-conference game in the state of Washington at the Climate Pledge Arena. That was actually the arena of the new hockey team, the Seattle Kraken. And Alabama was able to go into the state of Washington and beat Gonzaga. If you remember, like, what was so interesting about Alabama last season is early on, they had some monster wins. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Houston. They also beat Baylor in February. That was during the Big Ten SEC, uh, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. But in SEC play, Alabama struggled, and they clearly just weren't right. Uh, not everyone in that locker room was brought in, and we spoke about it a lot on Wednesday's show. That's the one real difference I've noticed with this Alabama team so far this season. Even though they're playing four freshman primary big-time minutes in that rotation, everyone wants to win. Everyone's bought in. Everyone is focused on getting the job done. And from Brandon Miller to Jaden Bradley to Mark Sears uh, to Charles Bediaco, like there are just some dudes on this Alabama team. I'm looking forward to see them take on Gonzaga, who, look, the Zags have been a disappointment so far, right? They are the 15th-ranked team in the country. The last time we saw them in a big marquee game, they blew a seven-point lead in the final 90 seconds against Baylor. They also got blown out by Purdue. They got blown out by Texas for a team that was ranked within the top three of the preseason. It's been a disappointing start so far for Gonzaga, but we know just how difficult Mark Few likes to make his schedule each and every season, and Gonzaga is not going to back down from anyone. I'm really looking forward to watching that game between Gonzaga and Alabama. Another big game, Saturday at 2. The team that Alabama just beat last week, Houston, they're ranked number 5 in the country right now. They'll go on the road to number 2, Virginia. And I think Virginia is so interesting. I said this after their big weekend in Vegas. They remind me of the 2017-2018 Virginia team that got the number one seed, and we all know what happened. They ended up losing in the first round to UMBC, the first ever one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. But if you remember, going into that season, right, Virginia returned a guy named Ty Jerome. They returned Kyle Guy. They returned most of their pieces from the team the previous year that wasn't great. Like, they were good. They earned a a five seed in the NCAA tournament and ended up making uh, the round of 32 that Virginia team ended up doing. But when you look at the Cavaliers the following year, like, they were projected to be a top 20-ish team, kind of similar to what they were projected to be now. And they're 8-0. I know they struggled with James Madison in their last game, but that was without Reese Beekman. I think he's a huge difference maker for Virginia. And Beekman did play in that game. He left early, only played four minutes. He's currently day-to-day with a hamstring injury and is questionable for this game against Houston. I think in order for Virginia to win, they're going to need Beekman and they're going to need him to perform in the big way. But Virginia has a win over Baylor. They have a win over Illinois. They also have a win on the road at Michigan in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And hosting Houston, this is a game where Virginia went to the Fertitta Center in Houston last year and got blown out. I think Tony Bennett and his team, they're going to want 
to get some payback on the Cougs. And I'll say this about Houston, right? I'm not selling their stock. I still think they're a top five team. And I think by the time we get to March, they're going to be a national championship contender and they're going to dominate the American Athletic Conference. I'd be surprised if they lost more than one or two games during conference play. But if you look at their non-conference schedule, especially before the Alabama game, I didn't understand why people were saying Houston was the clear-cut number one overall team in the country when they haven't really shown it. They went on the road and beat Oregon by 10, which is an impressive win, but this isn't Dylan Brooks, uh, Tyler Dorsey, Peyton Pritchard, Oregon. You know, this is an Oregon team that got blown out in the same building by UC Irvine. And then Houston had a nice win on a neutral floor against St. Mary's. And St. Mary's is a good team. Randy Bennett's a really good coach, but Houston didn't play in the Battle for Atlantis. They didn't play in the Maui Invitational. They didn't play in the PK-85. And we saw other teams in those events just dominate and take care of work. And Houston, they're up 15 against Alabama in their own building, and they're not able to hold the Crimson Tide off and get that victory. That's a little concerning. Not like big picture. I think they're going to be fine. But if anyone was arguing that Houston was going is just by far the number one overall team in the country, they're mistaken. And after that loss, especially, they're going to need Marcus Sasser to get going. I understand he's returning from the foot injury last season, but he's banged up. He clearly does not look like himself. And this is a tough spot for Houston going on the road to JPJ Arena. I'm really looking forward to that one. That's going to be Saturday at 2 Eastern. The other big event on Saturday that's going to be taking place, we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about uh, the UCLA-Maryland game, but it is the CBS Sports Classic. And the first game of that doubleheader is going to be North Carolina and Ohio State. And this is such an interesting game because we all know North Carolina struggled, right? They, similar to Gonzaga, they have not played like the number one team in the preseason rankings like they were. We saw North Carolina struggle a little bit early in their bye games against North Carolina Wilmington and against Charleston. Charleston's really good, by the way. No real penalty for struggling with them a little bit. But they barely beat Portland. They barely beat, not barely, but they had trouble with uh, James Madison. They had trouble with Gardner-Webb. And then North Carolina loses to Iowa State in the PK-85. They lose to Alabama in four overtimes in the PK-85. And they lose to Indiana on the road. They then lose to Virginia Tech on the road. Thankfully, they did pick up their first ACC win of the season and their first win over a Power 6 team this season. That was last Saturday when North Carolina... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Beat Georgia Tech. The point I'm trying to make is, when you look at North Carolina's resume right now, They need more if they want to be an NCAA tournament team. And the ACC is not great. There are plenty of teams in the ACC, like a Syracuse, like a Louisville, like a Boston College, uh, that have like a Florida State, that have disappointed so far. And those wins aren't going to necessarily move the needle like you expected them to. And North Carolina, when you look at the remainder of their non-conference slate before they start off ACC play, they really only have two games left, which honestly is more than some other teams. But they will have Ohio State on a neutral. They'll have Michigan on a neutral. That Both of those games are coming up within the next five days. 
Ohio State on Saturday, Michigan on Wednesday. North Carolina desperately needs at least one of those games, and probably they need both because this UNC team, we forget last year they didn't earn their first quadrant one win of the season until mid-February, and they got hot at the end. They went into Duke on the road and ended up beating them to earn a number nine seed in the NCAA tournament. But North Carolina was very close, much closer than we realized, to just not even making the NCAA tournament last year. And right now, I don't want to say they're trending on that trajectory, but they kind of are considering we're already midway through the month of December and North Carolina doesn't have that one win on their non-conference resume that they could point to and say, okay, at least we have this. That's a great way to start off our, our case to make the NCAA tournament. They literally don't have that. I mean, even last year, I know it wasn't a quadrant one win, but they beat Michigan at home during the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That was big. That was at least something they could point to right away on their resume uh, as some as a, as a building point. And they don't even have that. But they will take on Michigan again in the Jordan Brand Classic. That will be in Charlotte coming up on Wednesday. And then the game against Ohio State. That's a game UNC really needs to win. For the Buckeyes, they've, they've played good. The last time we saw them on the court was that crazy Tanner Holden buzzer beater over Rutgers, the Buckeyes haven't played in a little bit over a week now. Last Thursday was the last time we've seen Chris Holtman's team on the floor. Ohio State, you look at their resume. They do have a win over Texas Tech. They do have a win over Cincinnati. And the Big Ten, when you play in that league, we know it's always going to give you a ton of opportunities to win some non-conference games. But it's looking like the Buckeyes will be without Isaac Likely in this game. He's a game-time decision due to personal reasons. Chris Holtman is not sure when exactly he's going to be back uh, with the team yet, but we wish him well and we hope everything's good. Uh, the freshmen for Ohio State, they've really been the guys stepping up. Bryce Sensabaugh and Bruce Thornton uh, just doing a great job, as good as they can, replacing guys like EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham, two first-round picks that Chris Holtman lost from last year's team. And uh, we'll see how good these freshmen really are. I'm also a big fan of Sean McNeil. Him making shots from the outside is really the key in keeping the Ohio State Buckeyes in these games. But this is a must-win game for North Carolina. They need it in the worst way to really start building that NCAA tournament resume. The other game in this doubleheader, which is going to be must-see TV, number 16, UCLA, number 13, Kentucky. We already spoke a lot about UCLA throughout this show, but the Bruins are really good. I think they're one of the better teams in the country. I think they're a realistic national championship contender, especially after that win over Maryland. I thought that prior to the season, I just needed to see them put it together one time. And now that they did, I'm all in on this UCLA team. This is not going to be an easy game for Kentucky. We saw them lose to Michigan State. We saw them be pretty non-competitive against Gonzaga. And you have Oscar Shibway, you have Jacob Toppin. I just hope that this Kentucky team finally could just put it all together because I like Severe Wheeler. I think he's a really valuable piece. I think he's a really good pass-first point guard. But when you already have one guy on the floor that can't really shoot an Oscar Shibway, and I like Jacob Toppin, but his strength isn't necessarily shooting. It's athleticism. It's dunking. It's getting rebounds. I just don't necessarily love the way this Kentucky starting five fits together. And Cason Wallace on the ball might just be the solution for John Calipari, at least primarily. Um it's going to be a big game for Kentucky. A win here would be massive. I think a win here would show everyone, okay, this team might just be as good as we all projected in the preseason because I think ultimately Kentucky, they might be able to get there, 
But the start to this season has been a little disappointing, and it's looked way similar to the St. Peter's game last year. Like, we spoke a lot about that right after the Champions Classic when Kentucky lost to Michigan State, also when Kentucky got blown out in non-competitive fashion by Gonzaga. Like, those games were just very reminiscent of all the struggles Kentucky had at times last year and in that St. Peter's game. And we thought with the shooting of Reeves and Frederick, with the addition of Case and Wallace, maybe those issues would go away. And so far it hasn't, which is really unfortunate. But Kentucky found a way to beat Michigan. That wasn't an easy game for them. Michigan hung in there late. Every time Kentucky, it looked like they pulled away. Michigan had a response. And I think UCLA is going to be very similar to that. That's going to be a great game at Madison Square Garden. I can't wait. Saturday night, big game in Tucson. Number six, Tennessee, going on the road to number nine, Arizona. And this arguably could be the best defense in college basketball going up against the best offense in college basketball. Arizona is a machine. I have been so impressed with what they've been able to do in their biggest games against Creighton in the Maui Invitational, against Indiana in Vegas on Saturday. In both of those games, their opponents didn't play Like, they played well, but they had – Arizona was winning for the majority of each game. They were controlling things. And many times throughout those games, their opponent just kept trying to punch and counter back and counter back and fight back. But every single time, Arizona had an answer. Now, Tennessee, we know their defense is elite. They have plenty of dudes. But sometimes they just have trouble scoring the basketball. Now, it is likely – that they will have Jonas Adu and Josiah Jordan James back for this game, which are two guys that are vital to this Tennessee team because I love Santiago Vescovi. I love Zakai Ziegler. But when those when the ball is in those guys' hands too much, it doesn't always end well. They could be get a little too shot happy sometimes. And I think Tennessee needs those two guys back in the lineup in the worst way. I like Olivier Kamwa. I like Oros Plavsic. But I think Tennessee's best lineup – is probably with both of those two guys on the floor. They make a major impact. So hopefully Rick Barnes will have those guys to his disposal. Arizona, we know what their front court situation is looking like. I don't know how Azulis Tubelis and Umar Balo, they can't, both of them, can't really shoot the basketball. But still, it doesn't matter. Even in today's modern-day version of the sport, Arizona is really the only two, the only team I've seen that's been able to make that work so far, where they could just play two big men that can't shoot and just post them up and and have them rim rim run. And it works every single time it's effective. That is a marquee matchup between Arizona's offense and Tennessee's defense. That's the other major game Saturday. I'm really looking forward to a game Sunday. I'll quickly point out Auburn. They'll be going on the road to USC. And I think both these teams need this game. Auburn, you look at their non-conference resume. It's not great. They don't, have that one win they could really build things around, kind of like we mentioned with North Carolina. They did beat St. Louis at home, which is a nice win, but they lost to Memphis. And USC, they've really been trying to recover since they lost on opening night in their own building in embarrassing fashion against Florida Gulf Coast. They also took two tough losses during the Maui Invitational to Tennessee to Wisconsin. Both of those games were up for grabs late. Both of those games, the Trojans easily could have won. And even though USC is 2-0 in Pac-12 play, both those wins aren't really going to move the needle. They came over Cal and Oregon State. The Trojans need a resume-building win. Their next two games will be Auburn at home, and they will also take on Colorado State in a neutral court environment at the Footprint Center in Phoenix. 
So two big uh, opportunities for USC to move the needle for their non-conference resume. And the Trojans will also start Pac-12 play. Listen to this, a tough stretch here. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two games in three days at Washington and at Washington State on Friday, December 30th, and on New Year's Day, the uh, Trojans will go on the road to the Palouse, Washington State, not going to be easy there. So I think the Trojans need this game. Auburn was not too impressive against Memphis. They're going to need their guards to be better. And Auburn is really just the same team as last year, except instead of Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, you have Janae Broom and Yoan Trior. And as good as those two guys are in the front court, like they're not Jabari Smith, they're not Walker Kessler. So Auburn has taken a little bit of a step back. I don't think they really deserve to be ranked right now. They need to do a little bit more on their resume. But looking forward to that game on Sunday, Auburn against USC. Well, guys, that's going to do it for the, another episode here of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, a, a slow weekend of College Hoops, not a ton of great games, but it was great to break down Alabama-Memphis. It was great to break down Maryland-UCLA, and I cannot wait to be back here behind the mic on Monday to break down all of the big-time games and results from this weekend that we just previewed. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Talk to you guys soon. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.